past several weeks and we've been looking at the Word of God and we went a little deeper into it. And a little over a year ago we started on doctrinal things. And last year, I don't know if you remember, the first six months we only did doctrine one week a month. And I just went through basic things about core doctrines and I did not go deep into things. But then I decided, and with, through, through some prayer and things, to go deeper into different areas. And so we spent the last several weeks looking at the Word of God. And so now we're going to dive in deeper into the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be here for a little bit. It's interesting to note that most Christians know the least about this member of the Godhead. And the interesting thing about that is, he's the one who lives inside of us. And yet we know the least about him. It's interesting. Because we could look and we could talk about God for a while. and We could name the characteristics of God and who God is. We can look at Jesus and look at the work that Jesus does and how he works in our lives. And his work beforehand and all that takes place. We could look at all those things and we know a lot about those. And uh, where's everyone going? So my son walked out tonight. Who knows where? My son and daughter walked out tonight. Who knows where they're going? Outside by themselves. I bet they're going into nursery with Caroline tonight. That's probably where they're headed. So hopefully. Otherwise, my two kids just walked outside by themselves. And so who knows? But we'll, I'll hear them go. I'll, you saw them? Okay, good. So. They should have just walked right on up. That would have been easier. Everyone gets distracted anyways, and my mind's completely lost now after all of that. And so, and here comes Juan back in. That's good. I'm glad Juan is back in here. So he's been all over the place. And so, as I was saying a minute ago, a lot of times and a lot of Christians don't know much about the Holy Spirit of God. And then what they do know, they've gotten some... A lot of people have some wacky ideas about the Holy Spirit in all reality. Did you know there was, uh, there was this thing called the Azusa Street Revivals? Ever hear of those? There were some crazy things that happened. And, a lot of, and that wasn't too far from us. There were some Baptists in the back hills of Kentucky that got a little wild one night too and gave us some crazy thoughts when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And one of the problems that we run into is a lot of people get their doctrine on the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts. I've tried to make it clear in my teaching, and we'll talk about this over the next several weeks, but you don't get your doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us how the church really got going. It's more of a history book. And a lot of times you'll see things happen in the book of Acts that don't line up with Paul's epistles. When it comes to church doctrine, what you need, and like the Holy Spirit and things like that, Jesus said quite a bit, and Paul's epistles talk quite a bit. But a lot of times, the first time something happened, we see it, in the, and it's kind of a sign to those Jews. Like the fact that speaking in tongues the first time that it happened. A lot of people get, they look at that, and in all reality, in Acts chapter number 2, there were group, different groups of people there, and those people understood the language, it, they understood in their language what was being said. So it would be like, kind of like tonight having 12 or 15 different languages in this room. You speak, and you don't speak English, and, I'm speak, and I speak English, but God made it so you could understand in a language. The word literally means a language. It's not gibberish. They weren't foaming at the mouth. 
remember it was a while, it was a couple years ago, I was listening on TV to this preacher preach, and he was going to, t- he was preaching and getting with it. And he's like, I just feel something coming on. And I'm like, what did he just do? And then he uttered a little bit more. And that utterance, there was, couldn't figure out what that utterance was. I don't have a clue what that utterance was. But somehow the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. There was no interpreter there like the Bible talks about. But anyways, I, we get a lot of crazy notions about the Spirit of God. I had someone that's been a Christian for a long time, and they're, technic- they're technically a preacher. And they called me, and th- they are a preacher. They are. They're a pastor. And he called me a couple days ago, texted me, and he's like, I am having an issue figuring out what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I'm like, what's the, bi-? well, he's like, in the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit, it came later on. I'm like, yeah, but read what the Bible says. Follow it very closely. We're all baptized into one body, it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And so the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us the moment you get saved. That's the Spirit coming there. And there is no separate action where you get filled with the Spirit later on down the road. And so there's a lot that could be said, a lot of things that we could get into, and we're going to go... We're going to talk about several things about the Holy Spirit over the next several weeks. As we do this, there are major problems when it comes to the Holy Spirit baptism. There's a lot of things with spiritual gifts and how all of that works. You know, the Bible makes it clear, and I remember years ago when I first started pastoring here, and uh, I was told that I was in charge of a prison ministry. And don't you love when you don't know anything and then you get told a while later, oh, you're in charge of something. Oh, wonderful. Just what I don't want, to be in charge of something else. But then I'm like, all right, so if I'm in charge of this thing, who goes in under our umbrella? Because I'm responsible for what they do. And I remember I had a conversation. A guy came in, and he goes to another church here in town, and the names sound familiar. Our church and their church's names are very similar. And so he asked me if I had the gift of speaking in tongues. And I said, I can barely speak English. And even that I don't do a great job with. I got, lang- I know that is true. Russ can hear me now. So that's, I got to remember that. I heard, I could hear you say that's truth. But yeah. And I'm like, and he's like, well, what, what gifts do you have? You should have gifts of the Spirit. And he's going on and going on. And we talked for a long time. But the interesting thing was he kept wanting to talk about and boast about whatever gifts the Spirit gave him. If you read the Bible, Do you know the Holy Spirit of God does not boast about himself? Never? Never. He testifies of Jesus. So the Spirit of God should be lifting up Jesus Christ. So when a spirit is lifting up itself, is it the Holy Spirit? That's another topic for another time, and I'm not going to go quite there tonight. We might get closer to some of those things. But when we talk about the Spirit of God... There are groups out there. We'll talk about, you know, Jehovah Witnesses is one. They talk about the Spirit being this impersonal force rather than the third person of the Godhead. And tonight, what I want you to understand tonight, you might look and think, and you might have the idea that the Holy Spirit is this impersonal influence of grace and power, but that's not the case. 
The Spirit of God has personality. He is, if you're a believer tonight, He lives in you. And it would probably do you some good to know who lives inside of you. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's pretty sad that we know more about Jesus and God than we do the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is the closest one to us. I mentioned at prayer time tonight, sometimes in my Bible reading, going through the year chronologically with some of you at church, we literally got, Moses got the Ten Commandments today. And reading, th- I, always, I always think about what it would be like to be with God on that mountain and to have God literally give you his words. And then I think about sometimes as I'm reading in the other group or reading the New Testament, and Jesus is telling the disciples how the end's going to play out. And I just, I get a little jealous on this. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to sit there with Jesus teaching you? That would be awesome. But then you start thinking about it. In all reality, yeah, I wasn't there with Moses when God's giving him his word, but I have the words that God gave Moses right here. And yeah, I don't have Jesus teaching me directly, but I have everything right here. And yes, Moses got to see the hinder parts of God, and yeah, the disciples saw Jesus in the flesh, but I have the Spirit of God living with me today. And he is just as much God as the Father is, and just as much God as the Son is, the Holy Spirit. And he lives in us tonight. You have the greatest power source in the world living inside of you tonight. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so for a little bit of time tonight, I want to talk about the Spirit of God. I want to talk about the personality of the Spirit tonight is what we're going to talk about. Number one, as we dive into our notes, we see the Holy Spirit's personality is implied through his names and titles. He's given several names. First of all, you see letter A, he's given names that are self-descriptive. And of those names, we see the first one, number one, would be Spirit. And the capital S, the Spirit. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. No, literally that word Spirit, pneuma, it literally means breath, a connotation of it in life. And we think about the fact that God, the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit. Number two, He's the Holy Spirit. Just described a little differently. The Bible tells us in Luke eleven thirteen, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. So we see the fact that the Holy Spirit, he is, has a personality that's implied through his names. The names kind of describe him, doesn't it? He's the Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. What does the word holy mean? It's like set apart. And there is no other spirit like the Spirit of God, right? And he's the Holy Spirit. Number three, he's called the Holy Ghost. I will talk... and. That word ghost has a definite personal implication there. And Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost. And then you would see number four, he's also called the eternal spirit in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so he's called the eternal spirit. Now, is he eternal? Yes, he's God, right? He's the third member of the Godhead, and so he is the eternal spirit. So you see that these names are self-descriptive of who the spirit is. Letter B, we see that there are names that show his relationship to God the Father. And the Bible gives us several of those. When it talks about the Holy Spirit, let's look at how it implies or shows the relationship to the Father. Number one, we see he's called the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 16 tells us, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Do you ever take time to really think about that? Have you ever taken time just to really think deep on that? Those of you that are doing the year-long Bible reading with me, the chronological reading through, we're going to get to the temple soon and the tabernacle and things. And that tabernacle there, when you look at it, and David, I think, I think I hear you a little bit. Let's make sure I don't hear you talking, okay? You guys make sure you're quiet. Or if there's any other kids talking, I hear voices. And that could be the voices in my head. If I try to silence those for a while, I'm hoping, and I, the Holy Spirit keeps those voices away a lot of times. So I'm hoping it's out here. But if you're making noise and talking, then no one else can pay attention, and that's not a good thing. And so, and if you distract me, I have to start over and we'll be here till 9 or 10 o'clock. And we don't want that to be the case, do we? No, we don't want that to be the case. And so, I don't remember what I said, so let's go back to number one and start all over. No, I'm just kidding. I know what I said. But we would look at this verse really. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. In the Old Testament, God wanted to be near his people. But because of sin, God could not just be with his people. The tabernacle was made, and it tr went with God's people. But in that tabernacle, the average man couldn't just walk in there and go to the presence of God. And you could take a lot of time and go through all of it. And I've done a study on the tabernacle before. And it's a fascinating study when you go through it. And you see all the different things the priest had to do before he could even go in. And how Jesus signifies the laver and all. We can go on the whole list of those things. But to think that in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, or even the temple, the average person could not get into the, the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And literally, the priest could go in there one time a year, and he had to do certain things before he went in there. And to think that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid our sins, washed us clean, and because of that, we are the temple of God now. And what, in the Old Testament, people would die if they got in front of. They touched the Ark of the Covenant, and they died. And literally today... You are that temple, and God's Spirit is inside of us. Have you ever just taken the time to really think that through? It's an amazing thing to think on. And to think that, and not because we're so holy and so great, but because Jesus paid the price, and we are the temple of God now. It's crazy when you stop to think on it, and to think that the presence of God is in you, 
I'm not trying to get spooky with here or anything, but it's just it's a powerful thing. The Spirit of God, we see he's called, number two, the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah 11, 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Hey, you ever realize, you ever read through the book of Proverbs, and in the book of Proverbs, wisdom sounds a lot like God? And it talks about the Spirit of wisdom here. And I think that is part of the Lord, and we could go deeper into that some other time. We see letter, or number four, number four, we, or number three, he's called the Spirit of the Lord God. And Jesus, this was a prophecy that he ended up, they had a, they did not like in the synagogue when Jesus read these scriptures. Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the open and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. We see his name in relationship to God the Father is God, Lord, Lord God. And then 2 Corinthians 3, 3, he is the spirit of the living God. For as much as ye are, is someone honking their horn out there? If you got someone bumping their keys in here? Or is that someone else outside? This is one of those nights. This is one of those nights where there's a lot of distractions. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that there's something God wants you to have tonight that the devil doesn't want you to have tonight. So we got to just focus in just a little bit, and uh, I just hope my mind can stay clear because my mind's like going all over the place. And so uh, that's the problem. Maybe you're all in tune, and I'm the one who's got to get back in tune because God's trying to get something to me tonight. But 2 Corinthians 3, 3, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And so in relationship to God the Father, you see the names for the Spirit. Now we're going to look at, let us see, names that show his relation to Jesus Christ. And the first one would be the Spirit of Christ. Hey, do you know there were so many different names that the Holy Spirit goes by? He's got a lot of names. In all reality, God has a bunch of names in the Bible, doesn't he? Jesus has a bunch of names in the Bible. But so does the Spirit. They all do. He's called the Spirit of Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse number 9, um, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Say, whoa, so there's, is there a difference between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ? No. Same. It's showing the relation. And so we see Spirit of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse number 11. The Bible says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see he is called the Spirit of Christ. He's also called, number two, the Spirit of his Son. The Bible tells us in Galatians 4, verse number 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And tonight as we go through this, when you go through doctrine and you break some things down, there are some nights it's just more informative than a deep lesson. Tonight is an informative night, which you'll see next week will be a little different than that. We see next, number three, he's called the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Bible says in Philippians 1.19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So you see his relationship to the Father. There's personality. The Spirit's not an impersonable force. There's pers- you see that in his relationship to God, his relationship to Christ. How about in his relationship, number D, names that shows relationship to men? And there are several. Let's talk about, in relationship to us, what it says about the Spirit. First of all, you have the Spirit of burning. Now, that's not one you hear too often. But Isaiah chapter 4, verse number 4 says, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the Spirit of judgment and by the Spirit of burning. And it's the Spirit of God that does these things. Now, think New Testament with me. Number two, the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted that after ye heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, in whom after ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He's also called, number three, the Spirit of truth. Jesus referred to him as the spirit of truth. John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. John 15, 26, but when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. John sixteen thirteen says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. Look at this verse. Remember I mentioned this earlier tonight. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Man, I hear a lot of Christians speak about the Spirit and what the Spirit does in their life and the gifts that they have. The Spirit does not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. So the Bible sees the Spirit of truth. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, verse number 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So we see, in relationship to man, we see the spirit of burning, the Holy Spirit of promise, the spirit of truth. Number four, the spirit of life. Romans 8, verse number two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Number five, it's called the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10, 29, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Also, he's called the Spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4, verse 13 and 14, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed, 
ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. And then he's also called the Comforter. We read those verses earlier, but when the Comforter has come, and aren't you grateful the Comforter's come? We haven't sang, haven't sang that song in a while. I like that song. Oh, spread the tidings round. The Comforter has come. It's a good song. Uh, aren't you glad you have a Comforter? Aren't you glad God didn't, Jesus didn't leave you comfortless? He left you a Comforter. And thank God for that. And so as we look at these, we see how his names, it shows he's more than just an impersonal force out there. Literally, his names describe who he is and what he does, which leads to Roman numeral number two, that the Holy Spirit's personality is implied because he possesses the marks of personality. And when we look at that and we see it, what do you, you're like, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, first of all, you know, when you, a person and has personality, a person has intellect, a will, sensibility well what does the holy spirit do well first of all letter a that he there's knowledge there's knowledge he knows things he knows a lot more than you and i know tonight one of my comforts we prayed earlier tonight during our prayer time and one of my comforts is that even when we don't know what to have you ever been there where you just don't know what to pray how many of you have ever prayed and you just don't know what to pray I am glad we have the Spirit of God that knows what we need. And he'll give utterances, right? You know, you might say, Lord, I need a, you know, I need a brand new car. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Brian doesn't need a new car. What about 10 years old? That will suffice him. God, I need money. No, Brian doesn't need money. He needs to trust you more, Lord. Don't give him all that money. Just... The Spirit knows what we need, and He makes intercession for us, and I'm glad He does. And there are so many times, but He has knowledge. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For what man knoweth the things of God, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. And if we talk about what we did a few weeks ago, and the fact that the Holy Spirit, you know how we get the Word of God? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Like, how did, how did Moses know how God created everything? He wasn't there because the Spirit of God led him. And guess what? The Spirit of God was there in the beginning, wasn't he? The Spirit of God was upon the face of the... And there's, and there's so much there that we could say, but the Holy Spirit, he has knowledge. We, letter B, we see that he has a will. First Corinthians twelve eleven, but all these worketh that one the selfsame spirit divided to every man severe, uh, severally as he will. Yeah, the Holy Spirit has a will. He's got knowledge. Let her see. He's got a mind. Wow. He's got a mind. The Bible tells us in um Romans eight twenty seven, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I love that verse. 
And do you know, we all, everyone loves the verse right after that, right? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But if we were to take, you know, verse 27 comes before verse 28. But most people don't know verse 27. They just know verse 28. Some thoughts there. He has knowledge. He has a will. He has mind. He loves. The Bible tells us in Romans 15, 30, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The Spirit has goodness. I love Nehemiah and his prayers. But Nehemiah, as he... The book of Nehemiah is an awesome book. If you have never spent time reading it, you should. But it says there, Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouths, and gavest them water for their thirst. But why is the Holy Spirit, why is he not just an impersonal force? Because his names describe who he is, but also what he does shows personality. Number three, Roman numeral number three tonight. The Holy Spirit's personality is implied because his acts are those of a person. You say, well, what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches. Forces can't teach, do they? And you say, well, he's the Holy Spirit. I know, I know. I'm just showing you he's got some personality here, okay? He teaches. Bible talks about Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And man, we need to listen to the Spirit of God. what What was Pinocchio? Always let your conscience be your guide. You gotta be very careful about your conscience. Because your conscience just picks up what it knows from where, what you've lived and done. If the conscience is trained in the right way, the conscience can do good things and help you with things. But you've got to be careful. Always listen to the Spirit. He teaches the Holy Spirit of God. He convicts us. You are convicted of your need for salvation by the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing how the Spirit of God can convict a dead spirit? That just shows, once again, there's nothing you and I did. It's all the grace of God. He teaches, he convicts, he gives utterance. We look at Acts 2, verse number 4, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Next, he commands... Remember the Spirit told Philip, go? He told him to go do something. Do you ever feel like the Spirit's telling you to go do something? You ever try to reason with the Spirit and not do what the Spirit wants you to do? Or is that, oh, oh I forgot. We got good Christians in the room. That's me. That happens to me a lot. It's, it's just the other day, I'm literally, I'm driving down the road, and there's this guy on the side of the road. And one of the things I'm trying to do better this year myself, there's the, I always work on things. But I, all, but I try to always have tracks with me, and any time I want to, I try to give the gospel anywhere I can. Now, I, I can't give up the full gospel plan to someone, but I can at least throw something out and try to spark conversation. So literally, I'm driving up the road. Guy is right there on the side, and I'm like, 
And the Spirit's like, I know the Spirit's like, you need, give him one. Lord, he's busy. And I got to go somewhere. No, you need to give it to him. No, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like he's going to be very friendly. You, have any of you ever done that before? Okay, I, I do it often. So you say, did you end up giving him the track? Yes, I did. So now, there have been other times where I feel real bad afterwards where I'm arguing with the spirit back and forth and then I turn around to go back and then I can't find them anywhere. I'm like, oh no, oh no, hopefully someone else will get to them. That, but yeah, that happens to me. He also forbids sometimes. and says, hey, you shouldn't do this. He helps. I'm just running through these because we're getting towards the end here tonight. And some of you, your attention span ended five minutes ago. That's why some people, they can preach like an hour too long. People quit paying attention after a certain amount of time. And I see some of you that's starting to get, starting to get there. So, or it's just the French toast setting in. could be that too. Um, he helps. He searches. The Holy Spirit searches. The Holy Spirit speaks. He leads and he guides. He leads and he guides. Next, or J, he calls and he commissions. A lot of great verses to read there, and you got all those there in your notes. And then number four, Roman numeral four, and last tonight, we see the Holy Spirit's personality is implied because he's affected like a person. So what do you mean he's affected like a person? Well, think about it. Letter A, he can be blasphemed. And I've had many people try to explain to me what blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is. If you really break it down, and you can, and there are a lot of smarter people out there in this world than I am. In all reality, there's only one thing in the world that's unforgivable, right? And that is not trusting Christ. That's the one unforgivable sin. So if the Spirit of God convicts us of our need for salvation, which He does, right? Through the Word of God, He convicts us. And if someone keeps rejecting that and never turns to... That's what leads to... So guess what? A believer can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I had someone call me two weeks ago. Pastor! You ever get those text messages from someone? I need to talk now! Like, you can wait five minutes. You'll be okay. But And you, you hear this franticness in their voice. I'm like, yeah. I just blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I'm going to hell. Just like that. I said, let me ask you one question. We'll talk about this, but the question is this. Are you convicted that you did it? Yeah. It's probably the Holy Spirit convicting you. And if you lost the Holy Spirit, he's not going to convict you. Yeah. If you're saved, you can't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Now, there are other things you can do to the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the rest of them that are listed here. He can be lied to. Now, now you say, 
Now, he knows all things. So you're not really lying to him, but you are lying to him. Ananias and Sapphira, I still am not quite sure what, ex- you know, what exactly happened. Did, did the Lord lay on their heart that they needed to give it all? Or they say they were going to and hold it back? I don't have a complete answer there. But the Bible says they lied to God and they lied to the Spirit. He can also be resisted. So those people did when Stephen was preaching and conviction was there. But they started waving their heads, putting their hands over their ears, and they were resisting it. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And Christian, do you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved by us? Did you know that? If you look real close at that passage in Ephesians chapter number 4, that passage is about bitterness. It's about speaking bad about other people. And then it says, and grieve, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. God is grieved when his people don't get along. God, the Spirit of God is grieved when we talk bad and tear down people. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't forgive. That's what that whole passage is about. And so he can be grieved. And uh, next, he can be quenched. It's kind of like having a fire and throwing water on it or a fire extinguisher on it. There are times in church where the Spirit of God wants to do something, and we quench him. Man, I have never... I've had people ask me lots of times, Pastor, how big do you want Victory Baptist Church to be? I've never set out to have a big and set a number. Now, I have goals of things, but I never set out and say, I want our church this big. You know, I, don't, I saw a video a few days ago of one of, down the street, Calvary Chapel, one of their four services. And I mean, you could like fit four of these buildings inside their building, let alone there's just people everywhere. Say, how big? I don't have a number. This is, what I, this is my prayer always. I don't want to hinder what the Spirit of God wants to do in this place. That's, that's my prayer. I don't want us to hinder what God wants to do, whatever he wants to do. And if he be lifted up, he'll bring the increase, right? Yeah. And so he can be quenched. He can be vexed. And then he can also be tempted. Now, not like tempted like to sin. The Holy Spirit, he's God, he cannot sin. But to be tested, to be tried. Next week, we're going to break it down a little bit further and go a little deeper into the Spirit of God. But tonight I just want you to see he's not some impersonal force that wants really nothing to do in your life. Man, if you're a child of God tonight, he lives in you, and he wants to do something, and he wants to work through you and in you, and we need to let him. Father, we thank you for the time we've had tonight, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit that lives inside of us.